Hello and welcome back to the next report. This is Shaggy. Um, Tam Thomas is not going to be joining us today. I'm going to be flying solo on this episode. This is episode number 107. And uh, today I'm going to take a, take a little bit to talk about uh, some tech-related things and uh, uh, events that have happened in 2016, good and bad. Um, but before I get started with the podcast and the main topic, I want to give a shout out to Thomas and a big, big congratulations as he's, uh, I think as of this week, started his new job and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully that's going well for him and uh, I wish him the best of luck. Anyway, moving along, I think we'll go ahead and get into the main topic, the meat of the video and uh, podcast. Um, so recently, Thomas and I talked a little bit about it, and uh, I've looked up a bunch of information, and this is a topic that I'm excited about. Um, <clears throat> AMD has been spending the last, I think, probably two, two and a half years on developing a new processor architecture that's going to be the head of their company for not just the enthusiast market, but the mainstream and the low end, low power segments. Um, it's uh, codenamed Ryzen now. For probably about a year, rumors were going around with the name of Zen. So it's kind of still there. It's just added on to it's now Ryzen instead of Zen. <coughs> Most people, when you look at it, you would expect it to be pronounced like Risen or something like that, but it's pronounced Ryzen. Um, anyway, for the uh, chip that's gonna, supposed to come out um, beginning of 2017 and first quarter sometime, uh, the top of the line enthusiast level, uh, what we know about it so far, at least for from uh, specs or specifications are, it's supposed to be about 3.4 gigahertz or higher. It, they claim 3.4 plus gigahertz. And I'll get into that in a little bit, why there's the plus there. Um, eight cores, 16 threads. So it's actually a new architecture similar to um, what Intel has with all of their core series parts and Xeons uh, where it's hyper-threaded, except it's not hyper-threaded. That's an Intel technology. It's called hyper-threading. This just has two threads per core, the same type of architecture, but it doesn't have the same name. It's just simultaneous multi-threading is what it's referred to as, which the previous architecture that's been um, kind of not necessarily pushing AMD forward, AMD's been kind of dragging it with them for the last... Uh, five or six years now is um, was clustered multiprocessing instead of simultaneous multiprocessing, a little bit of a different ideology. I think in the past, in some past uh, podcasts, Thomas and I have kind of gone into it and I've explained some details about uh, what the architecture is, why it's different from SMP or SMT. Um, I'll try to use those acronyms so that way I don't blurt out a whole name and bore you to death all day with long words, um, but uh, I've, like I said, I've gone into that in the past, why it's different and what about it, it's different and things. And AMD is moving forward with this new architecture and 
hopefully, and I, I'm hopeful about this, and I think that this is going to be a giant leap forward for them in terms of what they can do, what's possible with their hardware now, rather than being stuck with an architecture that is now five years old. So uh, that's going to provide a ton of benefits. And uh, another one of the things is um, alongside a 20 megabyte level two and level three cache, combined cache, it's built on a new manufacturing process, which AMD has been using for their GPUs this year with what they've released new. Um, it's fin, uh, 14 nanometer FinFET technology or manufacturing technology, I should say, which enables them to cram a shit ton more um, transistors into a smaller package, a smaller process. And the die size should be smaller as well. Is my webcam just going crazy? Hope not. Here, let's get that to be a little bit more solid. I think that's better now. Sorry for that, guys. Um, anyway, I'll just jump into the uh, feature set that's supposed to be a part of this new processor. Um, along with all the actual raw hardcore specs, there's also a bunch of the features that are going to be in this new CPU, um, well, architecture. Uh, the new architecture is supposed to support DDR4, which has been out on the market for about a year and a half, two years. I'm not 100% sure when it first came out, but it's fairly recent. Um, and the prices for that are coming down too. So it's being a little bit more, it's getting a little bit more um, easily accessible. Uh, but it's also, the, the architecture is also capable of PCI Express Gen 3 or PCIe Gen 3, 3.0, whatever you want to refer to it as, um, which Intel has had for four or five years now. So AMD is kind of catching up on that. Um, it's also going to support USB 3.1 uh, NVMe type SSDs, which is going to grant um, great performance benefits for if you decide to use a PCIe-based SSD. Um, I've talked about those in the past as well. Basically, read and write speeds are like twice that of what SATA SATA is capable of through the bus. And it's not really a SATA limitation. It's the bus that's being used. Um, also, SATA Expresses are going to be available in this new uh, architecture. And then there's uh, a chunk of new things that are being injected into this. And I'll try to post a link and update this description and post a link to uh, a site that I use a lot called uh, Enantec. They they cover a lot of technology and they, they usually go into a lot of detail and in depth when they're covering some things like that. So, uh, similar to um, uh, Tom's Hardware, but I'm not a big fan of Tom's Hardware. So um, anyway, AMD is including a ton of more technology into this, what they're calling AMD Sense MI. And what's lumped into this Sense MI is a bunch of things. There's um, pure power, which is one of the things that's going to help with um, controlling uh, power efficiency. Um, helping um, between thermals and frequency and helping uh, voltage to help level all of those things and take all those things into consideration and help get the best um, power efficiency out of this chip possible. There's also precision boost, which is a new take on um, what AMD has used in the past called turbo boost. So, and one of the things, this is part of what that plus 3.4 plus gigahertz 
is referring to is that there's there's in effect a turbo boost, but it's not it's not the same kind of turbo boost that we're used to. The this turbo boost in the past usually just ramps can ramp up to a particular limit clock speed, and then that limit is a hard limit. So um, this is kind of similar to what at least from my interpretation. Now, I could be totally wrong on this, but I think I think I'm right. Um, my interpretation of this is it's going to be similar to NVIDIA's GPU boost. If you're familiar with that, NVIDIA has, and more specifically 2.0, GPU boost 2.0. Uh, the older GPU boost wasn't quite as dynamic. Uh, but this new GPU boost that's in NVIDIA's uh, GPUs, and a lot of them you can take, and if you slap on some like liquid cooling or something onto a GTX 1080 or something like that, GPU boost will be able to take and see, hey, my cooling efficiency has gone way up. My chip is running nearly as hot, so I have thermal headroom. And providing that I also have um, power headroom, then I'm going to upclock myself dynamically, overclock, until I can't overclock anymore, effectively. So I've seen some GTX 1080s Normally out of the factory, the um, clock is somewhere in the, in the realm of 1.6 gigahertz, which is unheard of for GPUs. It's starting to get ramp up higher and higher for clock speeds on GPUs. But um, And I've seen some 1080s go up to 2 plus gigahertz on the core clock. It's absolutely ridiculous, and it's, it's crazy. And if they're going to start applying this type of technology to processors, it's just, it's going to be crazy what it's going to be possible of to uh, push past its normal limits, providing that there's thermal and um, power headroom. But um, anyway, back to the precision boost is what it's called. Um, between the dynamicity of allowing it to clock as high as it can with that and a couple of the other the, these other features, AMD has also enabled the ability to fine-tune uh, your frequency when you're doing some overclocking manually down to chunks as low as 25 megahertz, which normally, unlike Intel CPUs you or AMD CPUs, you usually just adjust the multiplier first because that's the easiest thing to do without even touching voltage or the, the uh, block frequency and stuff like that. Um, you can just change the multiplier and say, hey, instead of 20, I'm going to go to 24. So based on your block, setting it's going to jump up from i don't know 800 megahertz or something most things are 200 megahertz for the the uh block it's blck is what i'm referring to um but amd is enabling the ability to go as low as 25 megahertz for each bump that you want to do um between this and then this other another technology called extended frequency range or xfr um allows this is what's allowing it to do the dynamic turbo boost based on the um, thermal and power limits and just go rock it up as far as it can um now a feature that's been in intel cpus for a long while now is and i mean this is this is just something that's in cpus in, in general anyway is uh the ability to prefetch a instruction and if you're not familiar with an instruction or a, uh, the breakdown of how a CPU interprets um, 
commands from the user or an application or something when it's when you're sitting typing away on a keyboard or you're doing web browsing or something like that. Everything is broken down into the smallest block. A smallest block, and it's a uh, it's called an instruction. And an instruction, depending on the architecture, um, there's also different types of CPU architectures. There's x86, and then there's ARM. There's all kinds of others. ARM is generally used for like uh, uh, mobile phones and tablets and stuff like that. Uh, but there's also uh, uh, x86, which is generally your desktop or laptop type platforms. And um, those types of instructions have varying widths. So if I get down into too much more detail, it's going to get a little, a little bit wicked. But a base instruction has certain segments, and based on the bit width, will tell it what it's supposed to do, whether it's supposed to add two numbers together, or it's supposed to take and multiply two numbers together, or do some sort of encryption, or whatever. There's a bunch of different instruction uh, uh, types of instructions available based on the new x86, uh, or not new, but the x86 architecture. And they're adding. I don't think they're they're adding any new features with this, but they could be. I don't. I don't know. I'm not. I don't develop on that level. So. Um, so let's go back here. Um, in co in combination with the uh, smart prefetch, um, AMD also has uh, what they call neural net prediction. I gotta type something up real quick here. talk think and talk and type all at once sometimes it's very difficult I'd end up typing what I'm thinking or talking about so it defeats the entire purpose of trying to say something else while I'm typing <laughs> um, anyway back to the neural net prediction of smart prefetch um, the smart prefetch in combination with this neural net prediction helps be able to so the prefetch is going to get the type of instruction that's coming in for the CPU. And like I said, this is a feature that's been in CPUs for a while, but they're trying to change the way that it uh, interprets the type of instruction that's coming in. It's basically going to give the CPU the ability to guess what type of instruction it is and then say, hey, um, this looks like something that's already been that already happened about uh, two minutes ago or something like that. I already had this data available because I saved it. This is what I'm trying to do. Here's your data. You don't even need to go through the process. You just move on. Just go over. There's Your line is over there. It's like having a fast line, a fast lane checkout kind of thing or self-checkouts. You already know what you need to do. You just go there, pay for it, done. And uh, neural net prediction is also going to take in, in combination with smart prefetch for the things like the, the data that's already stored and uh, thing that's, things that are already preloaded the neural net prediction is going to be able to take an instruction and find the fastest path through the CPU. And normally, uh, instruction will follow a hard-coded set path. And it's always going to go this direction. Unless it's a separate type of instruction, then it might take a different, slightly different route. But it's always going to follow that slightly different route for that type of instruction. This is going to enable the CPU to kind of open up a little bit more and say, hey, I'm going to run all these different things through 
my eight cores, threads, however many there are there, and just blitz through this program. And that is going to help with a lot of real, C I think is going to help with a lot of real CPU intensive type tasks. And it's going to really, really push the boundaries of what a CPU is normally capable of, I think. Um, so um, th that's the set of features that I have seen listed from uh, AMD's marketing material. And from what I've seen on uh, AMD didn't give me anything. Just gonna throw that out there right now. I just I have to dig things up myself. But from the sites that I've looked at, like for example, Anantech and things like that, these features are what's gonna enable the Zen CPU to perform as well as it supposedly has in these ben benchmarks that have been pushed out. Um, the one that AMD did for their actual live reveal event, they took a I think it was a Broadwell. Um, yeah, a Broadwell E chipset, or uh, not Broadwell. Um, it's one of the latest gens. It's the 6900K. I don't remember which code name it was, but they took the 6900K and benchmarked it up against uh, AMD's, I think what they're referring to as SR7 the AMD SR7, which will be the eight core 16 thread model that I've been talking about a little bit in this this podcast here. Um, benchmarked it, did a clock for clock comparison with both of them um, at 3.0 gigahertz because they had to down clock the AMD processor and down uh, uh, to keep it at the same clock as Intel. And on a Cinebench rendering demo, it was able to beat it by just a slight few seconds. And what that shows is that AMD or Intel's latest, one of their highest end CPUs is actually slower than AMD's newer Zen SR7 that's coming out. Now, granted they had to downclock and they had to do some things weird and that is still an engineering sample. And what that means is that an engineering sample is something that's still kind of being validated and uh, verified by quality control and things like that. It's not something that's in mass production that's coming out to users. So uh, there could be issues. So it could actually perform better when it comes out in mass production, or they might have a slight flaw and they actually have to change the frequencies a little bit and could drop it down and performance could actually be slightly worse when it comes out. It's it's kind of a up in the air situation with that actually physically being there knowing how the processor works and uh, stuff like that. With knowing what we know right now, it looks like that this is going to really give Intel a run for its money. And from a consumer perspective, this is something that we've needed for a long time from AMD because Intel's kind of have has the market cornered it something some I'm just gonna throw a figure out there for for an estimated educated kind of guess um, at around 80% 85% market share of um, the processor market for in, uh, laptops and desktops uh, it's basically they have the market cornered almost and if they continue down that path and AMD doesn't do something like they're doing right now then we could see a situation with a monopoly and then prices are just going to go poof, 
and then that's gonna that's gonna hurt the consumer. Um, AMD AMD has been sticking it in there for a little bit and just kind of holding on, but it's not it's not where they need to be. And thankfully, with this new processor architecture, along with the uh, giant revamp that they've done with the uh, GPU uh, their GPU segment and their GPU department internally. Um, I think they're looking real good for next year. So um, now I'm going to move on to um, pass that and not bore you with any more technical details, uh, even though this looks really awesome. It's really promising. There's a bunch of nerds out there that are going to be going crazy too. So I'll get into some more things that um, Thomas and I had talked about a little bit. We might talk about this in a future episode a little bit more. That way we have a couple of hosts and stuff like that so we can bounce ideas off like we normally do. But I wanted to talk about some of the moments that I thought, some of the moments of 2016 that I thought were, uh, at least in my opinion, were the best moments of 2016 or my favorite moments. Um, and the first one that came to my mind when I was typing up some notes for this podcast was uh, the legalization or the... Uh, <laughs> equality of marriage that uh, the Supreme Court ruled. Um, it's been something that's been fought about in the U.S. for a while now. Um, and me personally, I don't think I don't think it should be something that's legislated by the government. Um, and the fact that we now have the ability uh, someone if if they're gay or straight, it doesn't matter. Or if they're bisexual, they can do whatever they want. It's not something that the government needs to be in. That's their personal time. That's something they're going to do away from work. It's not going to affect the public. So, I mean, it's 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 a good moment in 2016, I think. And I'm, I'm glad it happened. Um, now, this one could be controversial, but... <laughs> And I did kind of get into it for a little bit, but another one of my favorite moments of 2016 or favorite things of 2016, I guess it kind of is a thing too. It was uh, the release of Pokemon Go and Pokemon Go itself. Um, I played it for a little bit on my phone before I got my uh, OnePlus phone, uh, just before my uh, Asus phone started doing some weird things with the screen and whatnot. Uh, and turns out it's a very it's a very addictive game, but uh, along with all of the fun and uh, what Niantic and Pokemon, uh, the uh, Nintendo has done with Pokemon Go to get people out of the house and active and being able to go out and be social at the same time, uh, it's kind of done some bad things in terms of. <laughs> I mean. Not necessarily they've actually done something, but they've kind of given a trigger for things that are already there for kids that take take their phones and then they'll not pay attention and just start walking into the middle of the street or something like that and just get smacked by a car or a truck. I don't know how many times I've read news articles and stuff like that from people just getting smacked by a truck or walking out in, in, the, in the street or not paying attention and just playing Pokemon Go. So, I mean, it didn't trigger, or I mean, sorry, excuse me, it didn't, it wasn't the cause, but it kind of 
opened the floodgates for it and for um, the actual issues to start popping up. So um, another thing that happened in 2016 was uh, uh, VR started to become kind of more mainstream, at least I think it did. Um, this is one of the things that AMD's kind of hit on and NVIDIA too. Both companies have been really pushing for it. And, um, with AMD's uh, GPU releases that they've had this year, they've had a big focus on VR. And then um, there's more and more laptops that are coming out that are VR focused and stuff like that. Uh, the PlayStation has a PlayStation Pro that's VR capable that's supposed to be out or is coming out very, very soon. I think it just came out. Um, and then the Xbox One S and the Xbox Scorpio that's going to be coming out, I think, next year is 4K capable. Now, the difference between the San, uh, Sony PlayStation 4, 4 Pro and then Xbox One S and how um, 4K is displayed on the screen versus for like a Blu-ray or a game. Um, for the PS4 Pro, depending on the game, it is it can it is capable of actually rendering the game at native 4K. Um, the Xbox One is not, and what it does to cope with that is it actually takes the game and then renders it at 1080p and then upscales that content from 1080p to 4K but it is able to actually um, stream and play uh, movies at 4K, like a Blu-ray or something like that. Um, now, granted, if you're going to be streaming something like that, you need to have a fairly decent internet connection. And I don't think mine really will support it. If it, will, and this, if it was only one, one device streaming, then it'd be a different story. But we have my wife's... Uh, beast pc computer that i built her um we've got a chromecast downstairs and she's usually watching things down there and then i've got my pc and i'm always doing things with this one my raspberry pi and then my laptop over here which is what i was using for the show notes um so yeah uh, another thing i thought was real big about um 2016 was all the comic book movies that came out um yeah this has been something that's been going on for the last three or four years, especially with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But this year saw more, uh, even more releases from DC as well as Marvel. And I collected five movies that I thought were real big or the biggest hits out of 2016. Um, and I just realized I did not put one on this list that should have been on this list and probably should be the top on the list. Oh, well. Um, so, uh, not in any particular order, I'm just going to name off the five that I have on my list and then I'll say the sixth one, which probably the top, um, there's Batman versus Superman, Donald Justice, uh, X-Men, Apocalypse, Captain America, Civil War, Suicide Squad, and Doctor Strange. And that's what I had on my list written down. And then the one that I forgot that I'm probably going to catch flack for if I told somebody is Deadpool. Because Deadpool came out in February this year, and I forgot because it's been such such a long time ago. Um, but that one was out of the, that list. That one was probably my favorite out of this year, and then Captain America is probably the second favorite. But in terms of which one uh, was better in the box office and all that, and which one uh, had was the best hit, probably Deadpool. <laughs> um, 
another event that's kind of happened. Um, this is kind of starting to transition into the things that aren't necessarily uh, happier things, but um, one of the other funny events that's happened in the most more recently in 2016 is the uh, whole situation with Samsung Galaxy phones and Samsung Note, uh, latest Note phones all exploding, all because of the batteries, which honestly, they should have done something about that to actually develop the, the battery technology better than what they did, but it is what it is. Samsung's not been a, had a uh, great reputation for um, quality of their phones for a little while. I mean, their highest end phones, yes, but like the lower end phones and then the cheap phones, the quality is just terrible. And maybe that's partly due to the actual cost of the phone and the cost that they're making it. They're not willing to put a little bit of extra time and effort into making a better quality phone. But um, when I had a Samsung phone years ago, uh, I wasn't a big fan of all the bloatware and the things that are just loaded onto Samsung phones. And I guess they've been getting better about that nowadays. Uh, I think Tom Thomas could speak to that a little bit because I know he had a Note 5 for a while. Um, and I've had some friends that have Galaxy phones and they've been saying that some of that bloatware is not there anymore. So that's, I guess, a good thing. But exploding batteries are not a good thing. Not at all. Um, and last thing I have on my list, and uh, I kind of left it for last because I didn't want, I, I was debating whether or not to actually bring it in with this podcast, but um, uh, I wanted to take a moment to talk about at least, or at least the people that I had listed that I came to mind when I was typing up the show notes was uh, uh, people that had died in 2016, at least celebrities, famous people. Um, there's, there was Prince, David Bowie, and that was a big one. Alan Rickman, that was a big one. I mean, obviously a very good actor. Um, and it's funny, I hadn't even seen uh, Die Hard up until this year when a buddy of mine invited me over to his house and we went over and we watched it. And he claims it's the best Christmas movie, movie ever. And, I mean, it's not 100% related to Christmas, but it's in Christmas time. So, <laughs> and then lately I've been seeing on Facebook a bunch of memes that it's not Christmas Eve until I see Hans Gruber, Alan Rickman's character, falling off of Nakatomi Plaza. <laughs> so it's it's fairly amusing. But um, and then a couple more were Lemmy from Motorhead and then Gene Wilder, and of course they're. There were many more that passed away in 2016, and um, there's also a meme for this too. But and you can probably you've probably seen it on Facebook, or you can look it up. But 2016 has just been kind of a crap year. Even Time Magazine was making fun of it by putting uh, a picture of the Grim Reaper for the person or man of the year when it's actually Donald Trump, which is surprising. I didn't put that on my list of events in 2016 because that didn't make me very happy, but it happened. <laughs> so, um, anyway, that's all I've had for today. Um, I'll probably work with Thomas to try and get the audio version of this uploaded. But if you guys watch this on YouTube, you're going to 
I mean, I'm obviously live right now, so you, you'll see me now, or you can watch it on YouTube later. Um, and as always, thanks again. Keep watching. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check us out on Facebook. I mean, we're on all, all social media platforms, pretty much. And we also have our own website, thenextreport.com. Um, Thomas keeps a lot of content on there for you guys. Um, so, anyway... Um, thanks for watching and I'll see you guys again soon. Bye. And, um, I am, I am with Curtis. Um, we actually hung out at the Vietnam cafe with a bunch of buddies. Um, so it's been a while since you've been here. Yeah, it has. <laughs> it's probably been, uh, what? A year since the last time we did a show? Yeah, it has been. Or not, no, we did one in, in February, I'm pretty sure. We did the Wargaming one. Yeah, it's it's been a long time. Um, so this is kind of the next part of the final episode of the year, Shaggy. I did one talking about Ryzen, right. etc., the new AMD chip, but coming out. And... and um, you are getting into computer science, which kind of shocked me. Maybe. Maybe? Maybe. Well, what, what inspired you? Uh, money. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Well, uh, that and I find cybersecurity to be really an interesting field. It's a growing field for obvious, you know, statement. Um, it is... I, I have the fortune to go to a school, New Mexico Tech, which has a extremely well-run cybersecurity department. Oh yeah, and um, you know there's a lot of resources available. I've I've actually got to partake in some of the hacking labs. Is it still going? Yeah. Yep. And uh, got to partake in some of the hacking labs, and they're really fun. I mean, seeing what you can do with a computer is at the same time frightening is also really interesting to me now um if you could pick like the uh, good mo good moment bad moment and ugly moment of 2016 well the good moment for me was this was the year when i got a whole new set of friends that were much better people down where i live i, I still have my old set here in kansas city but um when I moved to New Mexico five years ago, I didn't have the best group of friends. So that's the, the best moment for me. Um, let's see, you wanted, uh, what else? You wanted a bad moment? Well, but, well, and it could be about you, it could be about okay. anything that you've encountered um, or seen. Or honest, honestly, for me, the bad moment of the year is seeing um, American democracy kind of fail itself this year by allowing two terrible candidates to run against each other to no avail. Um, the, I guess kind of the neutral moment of the year is just, for me, I guess it's just seeing that the year is about to end and hopefully in 2017 we can do good things. We'll see a better year. We'll work so, harder. So do you think this year is the year of train wrecks? I wouldn't say this year is the year of train wrecks. I'd say this year was the year of... Um, I guess it was just kind of a year where a lot of bad things coalesced and it's hard to see good when there's so much bad stuff happening. It's hard to put that into perspective. You know, I don't think this year was the end of the world. For some people it was, for others it wasn't. So that's how I would, I would say that.
Yeah. Because this year is one of the year, weirdest years. I thought last year was like the, the train wreck year. And yeah. No, no, it just kept continuing yeah. to a point. And, but um, hopefully we'll have you on for more episodes. Especially yeah, I've got more time now. Awesome. Now that I'm employed, so. I've got a degree in employed. Just hit me up in the new year, and we'll uh, we'll come up with some topics and have a good time. Uh, absolutely. Good talking to you, Curtis. Yeah. See, you, see you in 2017, Tommy. All right.